0: What else do we have? Oh, the websites. We're on. So um, we are going to continue on in our study uh, through the Old Testament that we're doing. We are working our way through the Bible now a chapter at a time. We did the New Testament, and that took us a little over five years. And now we're working our way through the Old Testament. We've done the book of Genesis, which took us about a year. Now we're in the book of Exodus. We'll be in Exodus chapter 20 today. Uh, In the book of Exodus, the things that I really want you to be looking at Um, and we've talked about so far, are the uh, Passover and what that meant and all the chapters sort of leading up to that and how important that was to us. Then the parting of the Red Sea was another significant deal that has, you know, implications for us uh, today. Both those things do, significant implications. Um, And and today we're going to be talking about the law and... You know why that's important and wh- why it was such a big deal, and then yet uh, uh, later on in our study, uh, we're going to be talking about the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. A lot of things are getting set up, and as we understand them, we'll see that they were a uh, uh, they were a type in a lot of ways of uh, the ministry of Jesus and what was going to happen when Jesus came. So it's important for us to know these ideas, and these concepts, and things that are happening in the uh, Old Testament now. The people of Israel, now we've been reading about them, they have just recently been um, delivered from slavery in Egypt. Uh, And uh, that went on for 400 years. They were in bondage. And God has miraculously set them free after a series of plagues um, against the Egyptian uh, pharaoh and um, their false gods. Uh, And finally, after the 10th and most devastating plague, um, the death of the firstborn Pharaoh finally released the people of Israel they, um, they took off then uh, Pharaoh changed his mind again and chased after them if you remember but the Red Sea parted the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea without harm as the army of Pharaoh followed through with chariots and horses and all the other things um, the sea collapsed around them and took care uh, and wiped out that particular army and we looked at all of the things that were happening and why that was important and what was going on since then. Uh, there's been a few months now uh, um, a, a into this journey, and God is beginning to teach the people of Israel how to be His people. Um, they they weren't aware of what that looked like, and, and he's, he's begun to give them um, things that they needed to do and s- sort of trying to teach them to learn to obey His voice, that He would take care of them, and that life for them would be awesome but they needed to do the things that he was telling them to do because he was telling them for their own benefit and we have seen already uh, this demonstrated um, you know with him providing them water supernaturally a couple of times in the desert and then with food in particular um, with manna and with quail but manna uh, the way they were to gather the manna was their first idea of God giving them sort of um, a way to do things and the way they were supposed to respond to that whole process because if you remember, he told them, listen, I want five days a, a week. You're to go out and gather enough manna for the next day, um, or for that day. Um, and, you know, what you're going to need for the day. They went out and they gathered manna for the day. And then on the sixth day, you were to go and gather manna f- enough for two days. And um, on that seventh day, you weren't supposed to do anything at all. He was already teaching them teaching them about the importance of rest and Sabbath. And um, they, some of them got it and some of them didn't. He was giving them a lot of grace and mercy as they learned to listen and obey um, His direction. Well, today, now uh, the people of Israel, they've returned to the, the Mount Sinai there, which is where, you know, God originally spoke to Moses at the burning bush. And He told them, you know, I will bring you here. Uh, and He's fulfilled that promise to Moses. And now what's going to happen is He's going to begin to teach them how to live in community with one another as the people of God and that this would be um, a witness to the world about what the people of God ought to look like in community together and so we're in Exodus chapter 20 today and uh, before I get there let me just say that um, this is is this chapter is probably it was well, one of the most important passages in all of the Hebrew Scripture um, because it, it sets forth a series of guidelines, if you would, for the covenant nation of Israel to be the holy people of God. And and there are, there are safeguards against enslavement to sin or um, getting involved in a way of life that they're not called to. And so th- this is... Um, how the people of God were to operate in um, context with their, um, their relationship to God and their relationship to one another. And so you're going to see as we look at that, the first four of the Ten Commandments are really sort of focused on the relationship with God and the last six are more uh, about the relationship to one another which springs out of their relationship to God. Now, the law, and, and just, you know, let me make a few comments about the law. The law in and of itself is powerless to change human nature. Uh, It's in place, God put it in place to protect life and property by sort of regulating human behavior. Um, Because when people are left to themselves, they go wrong quick, they go bad quick perhaps one of the worst times in the history of Israel, we'll read about it in the time of the judges. And there comes a point in the time in the history of Israel where um, they're living by the idea that each person does what's right in his own eyes. And it was horrible. That's really scary. Think about that because if everybody's just doing what they think is right and everybody has a completely different idea about what's right, it's, a, it's chaos. And, and in effect, uh, over the next season, the, the people will quit listening to God and they'll start doing what they think they ought to do and it 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 really messes up Israel for a long season so the law was never given as a way of salvation for the Jews or the Gentiles Um, Paul in in Galatians 2 says the works of the law no one will be flesh no no one will be justified by the works of the law and that uh, you need to know salvation isn't a reward for good works but it's the gift of God through faith. So we understand that in the New Testament. So when we talk about the raw law, we're not saying that these are the things, these are the steps you have to follow in order to get saved. Salvation comes through Christ, Christ alone. Uh, and, and so um, the law itself, it reveals the righteousness of God um, and it demands righteousness, but it, it can't make us righteous. That was a, an issue. So it was in place to let people know that they needed a Savior. That's what this was all, ultimately all about. Only Jesus can um, produce righteousness in us as we give our life to him and yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives so the law if you would is sort of a mirror that reveals that you're dirty but you know you don't wash your face in a mirror right? and, and um, you know only the, only the blood of Jesus can actually cleanse us from the dirt that the law reveals in us does that make sense so, so people get hung up and think well if I just do these ten things you know the, the, then I'm going to be okay and it not. It doesn't produce salvation. it never has, it, never will. If it did, or if it ever could, then Jesus wouldn't ever have to go to the cross. So you have this whole idea in um, the idea of the law. And, and you need to know that God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit because we obey the law, but because we trust Christ. And then what happens is that the Holy Spirit, because of He, it begins to work in us to change us so that we have a desire to do what's right. And and that's how this whole thing is supposed to work in um, the first place. So the the purpose of the law really is God's way of showing up our sin and ultimately stripping us of self-righteousness. Because if we're honest and we stand honest, you know, before God, we can't live up to these ten things. You you've all you've all busted them, you've broken them. And then Jesus comes and makes them even harder. So <laughs> he says uh, yeah, it says that. But if you, if you even think that way, you've broken it. And you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's only... Um, so the whole thing always works. Is, is God, as we come to Christ, God you know, gives us His Holy Spirit. Um, gives the Holy Spirit to everybody that believes in His Son. And then the Spirit enables us to ultimately do God's will. And, and Paul says in Romans that that's when we begin to fulfill the righteousness of the law only and and that's the only way Um, but in ourselves not going to happen none of us could do it not all going to make it that way nobody makes it that way so understand now he's not telling them these are the things you do to get saved he's saying this is how the people of God ought to operate in community with one another and with me and uh, so there we go all right so I'm going to pick it up in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 20 and uh, here we go and God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and said to Moses speak to us yourself and we will listen but do not have God speak to us or we will die Moses said to the people do not be afraid God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was then the Lord said to Moses tell the Israelites this you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dress stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up to my altar on steps, lest your nakedness Exposed on it. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That's where we're going to pick up um, from there. Okay, so that's the law, Ten Commandments. Um, let me, the, the, the law of God is those first Ten Commandments. What's going to happen over the next couple of chapters is going to be known as the law of Moses. It's a little different. So um, uh, you will see those things pop up. If you ever wonder when people talk about two different things, that there's a difference because there's going to be a lot of regulations and stuff that comes up, um, particularly to this point in time and uh, the way that people are living. But that first big ten there, then when we're when we going to talk about it, that's going to be the law of God, okay? So um, as it starts, you know, the first few verses, um, let's say that the, the phrase, the Lord your God, is repeated five times in this passage. Um, it's to remind people of the authority behind these commandments. This is not just Moses's ten opinions. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like that movie that everybody always talks about with Mel Brooks where Moses went up with three tablets and got 15 and broke one on the way down and went, these are the Lord's 15 crash, ten commandments. Uh, <laughs> these ten. And... Um, so they're not ten opinions from Moses. This is is the ten commandments spoken by Almighty God. The people at the time were so taken aback by God's voice, they didn't want to hear it anymore. They said, just let him speak to you. The holiness of God overwhelmed them, and they thought it was going to take them out, and they said, you go and talk for us. But they heard the voice from heaven. Um, They all did it at this point in time. So... um, Remember that the people of Israel are coming out of years of sort of a, a, a mixed worship to not only the true God, but to all the false gods of Egypt have gotten mixed in there as well. God has proven to them that He's the true God. But now He, he wants to sort of make sure they've got that figured out when He says, you know, I'm the Lord, your God. And that, that phrase, before me, um, can actually mean in opposition to me. So He's like, don't, don't worship any of these false gods in opposition to me. Um, that's how he starts the process, okay? So he he makes that very clear that he is God and and he's the one uh, who is worthy of worship in the process. And that's what he says next in verses 4 through 6, that we're to worship only the Lord. And an idol um, is anything that takes place of God in our lives. Um, so there can be false gods and there can be idols as well. And um, there was a lot of idol worship in pagan religion uh, and in those pagan nations back then. Um, it it um, goes against everything that God sets before us. And it's almost always intensely immoral, um, you know, and included in the, in the pagan nations, temple prostitutes, all sorts of fertility rites. Um, sacrificing of children and all sorts of other demonic ritual that was all a part of this false god worship and these idol things that they were worshiping in the process and and, um, and so when we get to the New Testament first John um, John's you know the Apostle John says keep yourselves from idols and, it, and actually that's the last thing that John tells us uh, in, in that particular letter sort of the final admonition um, to the people in that time uh, is, is keep yourself from idols. So uh, an idol, if an idol is anything that takes the place of God, it's, uh, it's anything that sort of knocks God out of the priority in our lives. And, and, um, and so we have to be very careful with that process today. And idols can be things like money, recognition, success material possessions, knowledge, even other people, can can we can put them in the place of where God should be in our life and at that point they become an idol to us and not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live with Him first. Um, honoring God's name was a part of the deal. Uh, so, you know, when... Um, so when someone has a good name, that means that you, they're trustworthy. Generally, that's how we take that, right? If someone has a bad name, it doesn't mean that you don't like their name. It means that they they don't have a, a trustworthy sort of, um, um, you know, life around them. And so, you know, with God, we need to know His name and and understand that He's completely faithful and trustworthy, uh, and and. Um, uh, and that, that's how we understand him in our lives. And in fact, you know, the, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, you know, pray, hallowed be your, your name as we, we talk to him. So um, we're to know that um, his name is the name above every name. And um, it, it, it talks about the fact that, that he's completely trustworthy and faithful in the process. Then it talks about honoring the Sabbath in verses 8 through 11. And again, this was instituted back with manna. Remember, he told them, that he's sort of teaching them, this is what it's going to be. You're going to rest on the seventh day. And uh, this is how he set up his community. Um, this, this was supposed to be not only a place and a time of rest for them, but it would be a witness to the world around them that, uh, who at that point in time just thought you did everything every day, the same day after day after day after day after day. This idea of a day of rest that was, you know, something unique to the people of God, and and God knew that it was not only good for them and their livestock and their crops and everything else. Um, it was the the best way to live because He designed us and created us that way. And, and so, um, so they were. They, this was part of their deal. And this was how they were supposed to live. Not um, stepping out of that whole process, but remembering that that God was faithful and trustworthy. And this was going to be their community. How they were going to live. They were going to take a day of rest. In the process. Um, They were also supposed to honor their parents. Um, This was to designate the idea of the value of um, elders in the community uh, and how important they were to be the community and that they should be respected and honored and taken care of and provided for. Um, If you remember in our New Testament study, the Pharisees, rather than honoring and obeying that commandment, had stopped doing that with their parents and said that the money that they were supposed to use to honor their parents was going to God instead. But it was only promised to God. It wasn't actually given to God. Uh, (laughs) So they still had it. They just weren't going to spend it on their parents. They were saying, well, I can't take care of my parents because this is, the word was korban. Uh, It's korban. It's set aside for God, but they they weren't giving it to Him either. So um, those are the kind of things that Jesus would catch them on when when they talked about, but we do these things. And He was like, you're missing the point. In the process, but again, all these ideas these these things are how people of god this is these are all the way that God would have us live uh, in our lives that just it 's not how we we don 't earn salvation with them. make sure you know the difference, and we all fall short of every one of these ultimately um, and then uh and I'm going to go back I want to read where I'm at oh you shall not murder so then uh, it's a big one so life was to be honored human life meant something we, it wasn't just arbitrary that you you could just you know go out and take whatever it, it was to be honored um, and respected in um, every situation and, uh, and so it was never to be you know something that was taken lightly uh, in the process and it, it has to do with the idea that life is a gift from God and he's the only one that has the authority to take that uh, and so we're all you know made in God's image and, and so in effect it's basically an attack on God and, and protecting life um, in the community would be the responsibility of everybody um, every member of society that's why that, that was given to all of them not just the people in charge they were to honor marriage um, as the basis for family unit and the importance of family in the community of God and, um, and sort of the you know, the faithfulness to the marriage covenant would be the foundation for the family that they would grow up and rest in so that was put uh, and given to them if they were to respect personal property in verse 15 they're going to go on and be given another set of rules and regulations extensively on how they're supposed to do all that uh, and to use their land and, and ultimately they were to understand that it was still all God's land but they were to be stewards of, her, of the process but they were to respect um, the property of others by not stealing it and uh, we just had that whole discussion here on a Sunday morning not that long ago why that's important um, God you know, set society up so that you didn't have to have keys right? if you weren't here on that Sunday morning when I said the only reason that you have these is because people steal if people didn't steal you wouldn't need any of these wouldn't you ever think about how amazing that would be and this is a smaller set than I usually have you, your, your car would be out there when you left and you just have a button that you push to go off in it when you got home your door you could leave it open because nobody would take your stuff and you wouldn't need you know two keys to the church <laughs> and numerous other locks to gates and fences and then some keys I honestly don't know what they're for um, but I'm afraid if I get rid of them then I'll have a desperate need for them <laughs> so I'm stuck but think about it isn't that the way God set it up you wouldn't need these only keys you know crazy then he talks about speaking the truth Uh, it's important that we be truth tellers we just had that discussion too Um, it should just be what comes out of us the 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 tendency we have towards not telling the truth is from our sin nature and um, honoring promises is so important in society kind of sticks it everything together you know the uh, and, and unfortunately now we live in a time where hardly anybody keeps their word anymore so we and then then we've gotten jaded and it's really a sad situation but you don't expect anybody to kind of live up to what they say it's you know because you've, you've been disappointed so many times you just, I do mean, with my I think I, I know I've told you this with my kids I was always very careful <coughs> that if I promised them something, I would do everything I could to, I knew what a big deal a promise was so I didn't promise much <laughs> and they knew that, and my kids knew that they learned that really early on, but they knew, if they could get me to promise that was a bankable thing, you could sell that oh dad promised, it is going to happen, you know, one way or another He's, and it, really I would, I would but I, that, that also meant I didn't promise everything because, you know, yeah, I, I didn't. I was careful with those things because I wanted them to know that if, if they said, if I said, okay, I promise, it was going to happen. If it wasn't, you know, if I couldn't promise, I'd say, hey, we'll try or we'll see. But you need to know that's different than a promise. So boy, would they work on me for a promise. The, if you've heard the story, but it's worth telling again. The, you know the story with my son, right? When my son was six or seven, we went to Daytona because he loved the NASCAR, and I say, "Oh, every, it was constant." All the toys, and he had the thing, and his driver was Jeff Gordon, and and he was like five or six. He knew all the stats, maybe seven. And so we, I took him to Daytona to the museum there. And the year that I took him there, Dale Earnhardt had won the 500, and Dale Earnhardt's car was in there, and that was really cool. But it wasn't Jeff Gordon's car, and, and, and he was, saying he goes, so he said to me, "Why we're there?" And it was a big deal back then to get to Daytona and do all this stuff, you know. And he said that and he said to me, he said, "Hey, I'm." I'm if Jeff Gordon wins the Daytona 500 next year, can we come back? <sighs> well, I thought to myself, it's really hard to win the Daytona 500. <laughs> 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 well, we'll see. He's, oh no, will you promise? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I promise. So I remember doing a promise. Man, good. You know how are the chances? You, you know what I mean? So we're watching the Daytona 500 that next year, and uh, my son, I think he's seven, tops. 500's on, and we get down, you know, if you've ever seen the Daytona 500, it doesn't really matter until the last couple of laps, it can be anybody's race, two laps to go, and Jeff's in it he's not in front, but he's in it, and I say, two laps to go, and I'm thinking, I remember the promise, so does my son, and all of a sudden, he hits his knees and he starts to pray, fervently, like this oh dear Jesus, and I'm like, wait, not fair, <laughs> not fair <laughs> I know, oh man, God's gonna answer that. Watch, and sure enough, Jeff Gordon won. Like, ah. So we went back. I took him, but but but, but you know, you got to be careful with those things. So, still, even that, don't promise things that you can't. I would much rather tell you I'll see than I promise and then let you down on a promise. And then, um, there at the end, the our desires about, you know, he talks about coveting, that we're not to covet our neighbor's stuff. And it still holds true. It's a good thing. You you know, you need to be content with what you have instead of always wanting what everybody else has in the process. And um, so that happens. And really the end of that is about being a good neighbor. You know, so don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Be a good neighbor. That's what we're supposed to do. And if you remember, you know, when Jesus summed it all up, he said, you know, what's important? Love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so that's how those things all tie together. So that's good enough for tonight. That's Exodus 20. There's a lot to it, but um, we sort of introduced it, and we'll pick it up next week right there. If you're watching by video, thanks for doing it. Come and visit us when you get a chance. We'll see you soon. If you have prayer requests, you can uh, give them to Robert, and uh, he will bring them to me.